The Great Resignation continues to transform the U.S. workforce, and it's having some major impacts in agriculture. What should farmers be doing to stay competitive and get the help they need? That's today on Field Posts. is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. A record number of Americans have left their jobs over the last 18 months, and the high demand for workers as the economy transitions out of a pandemic have sent wages soaring. For farmers, this has meant having to get creative and savvy about finding, recruiting, and retaining top performers in order to keep their businesses operating. This week, we're joined by Lori Culler, DTN Farm Business Advisor and the founder of Ag Hires, an online job board and recruiting firm dedicated to the agriculture industry. Lori offers some invaluable insight on the origins of the current farm labor shortage and offers useful advice on how to think about all things ag labor in these challenging times. We'll discuss calculating compensation, how to think about return on investment for employee hours, strategies for crafting positions, and how to become an excellent trainer right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Farm Business Advisor and Ag Hires founder Lori Culler joins us today to talk about the current challenges in farm labor markets. Lori, give us your perspective. We're in, as you said, a crazy ag labor market in general right now. Give us kind of the overview of how this is playing out in the agriculture space. Yeah. So the shortage that you're seeing in all the industries is affecting agriculture as well. The kind of pandemic rate has changed a lot of things. But what we talked about is really what is driving these changes and, and how long will they last is pretty much the number one question I get from most farms and agribusinesses, right? So we've had a couple things that have happened in ag and all the industries all at once. So when the pandemic hit and everyone had all that time off, it's called the great resignation. They've actually named it. There's a name for it now that people are using because so many people quit their jobs and didn't have another job lined up. So it's very interesting. They've had a lot of time to rethink their careers. We know that money was flowing in to individuals that also encouraged them not to work. And originally we thought that was the main driver. That is definitely a a driver of why people didn't come back to work. But there's also your 30s and 40s, year old, 50 year old employees that have also left and didn't come back. So that was interesting. And then we had retirees and boomers retiring earlier, taking the opportunity just to not come back also at the same time. And then you had what was interesting to me the most was how many people started a business in 
2020 and 2021. So statistically, it floats depending on the month. And it almost doubled on some of the months in 2020, 2021. So it was everyone starting a side hustle or an LLC. And so when we see this, whether it's in agriculture or other industries, when someone starts a business, one, they don't always make it, right? We, we hope they do, but they don't always make it. And sometimes if you're working for yourself, you get frustrated by having to find the work and do the work. So in recruiting on a resume, we'll often see someone start a business and try it for one to two years before they go back and want to work with a team and want the stability of working for a business. So between people leaving, quitting, rethinking, re-strategizing what they're doing with their career, starting some side hustles, that combination, I think we're in for a long ride the next one to two years after this to get it settled out. Yeah. So I'm curious whether in terms of just what this has looked like for farmers on the ground who are dealing with this, is this primarily full-time workers, primarily part-time workers? Who is this affecting and how are farmers dealing with it? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it's affecting both your part-time and your full-time across the board. And the the biggest kicker is also the paying. So we're seeing people, especially at that operator mechanic level, the pay has gone up so significantly. If you ask me where the largest shortage is across the United States, I always would say truck drivers, but service techs are right next to truck drivers. So anyone that's got really strong mechanical ability, their pay has increased. I have to do some math, but at least 30%. They were at, let's say, 22 to 26 per hour. Now we're seeing more like 28 to 35 to 40 to 45 per hour for a mechanic. So those are the type of skilled labor we need on the farm. And we're competing with other industries. So it's affecting the farm, both on the part-time level and the full-time level. And honestly, that, that pay is going to be the biggest factor because everyone's short. So everyone's throwing out that big coin to attract individuals. We saw for the first time this year, a service techs have hiring bonuses like the trucking industry has done for a couple of years now. So the trucking industry, most of us all know how short that's been for years. They've been waiving these big sign-on bonuses. Now we've seen a couple of you know, individuals, a couple of companies waive really big sign-on bonuses for service techs. So we're in for a long ride in terms of that skilled labor side. So you do a lot of uh, working directly with farmers and then advising and, and giving presentations for folks all along the farm value chain. Talk to us about how you are thinking about and how your clients are thinking about, I think the compensation question is top of mind for everyone. How do you think, how should farmers be thinking about either changes they can make or ways they can adjust to accommodate potentially giving people some big raises? Mm-hmm. I agree. So that is a challenge, right? So it was a hot topic at the, the DTN summit as well. And and I get it, right? I'm a small business and, and we're, my family's farmers and I get the budget side too. We talked about one is if you can stretch for your high performers, you're going to want to stretch up their compensation for their high performers. Because I think that high performer that can think 10 steps ahead and save you money or make you money by their choices really comes back in your favor. So if you can stretch for your high performers, I would stretch. We saw on the DTN poll that you guys took from farmers that we had raises, I think a third of um, the individual farms were going for 5% raises. And then another third was going for even higher than 5%. And then a small portion higher than that. So these are 
lot higher raises than we've seen in the past. So one is doing that. A question that came up was, what about a one-time bonus? I don't know if that really solves the problem. And then you start setting this expectation for that one-time bonus with nothing tied to it. If it if it was my decision, I'd be increasing the compensation overall on an hourly basis. The other way for just up against budgets is going you know lower on the comp, but hiring and training someone that's green, not from the industry or that needs to be trained up. So we kind of talk about our two choices. You can go a little less on pay and have to train. It is a dirty word in agriculture. We don't like to. We talked a lot about that at the summit. We don't like to. We don't love to, but we probably need to get really good at it as we head into these shortages. Um, or if you can stretch, pay up to attract someone that's got that talent and that, that brings that higher level of performance for you. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the advice that you give to farmers when they are thinking about how to think about compensation. Now, I think you've written very compellingly about the idea of understanding your return to employees and knowing what kind of value they can bring. And, and I think that's really valuable in terms of determining conversations I've heard are very focused on farmers here. Farmers, I think, just generally think I can't possibly increase more than 5% just on the principal. But I think understanding a little bit more about your budget and how your farm operates can really let you know if like in the numbers, you can right. afford more than that. Right. I would agree. I would agree. So we talk about ROI on your human capital. I talk a lot about that because I think historically we think of payroll, I think it's an expense, right? It's like this necessary evil that we need. Of course, in, in my world, since I live and breathe talent management, I feel like talent drives a business. And so I, I put it like highest on the list. But thinking about the, really that return on investment on your human capital and thinking about, again, that couple dollars per hour sounds like it's a lot, but you start doing the math and let's say if they work, let's say 2,500 hours a year, give or take, sometimes more for farms, right? So another $2 per hour is another 5,000 per year. That is a, that's a significant amount, but at the same time, if you can't get the right kind of talent at a lower level and they're going to be backing equipment into things or damaging buildings or making mistakes on what they're spraying on crops. I don't know how much that just costs you, but a lot more than paying the higher per hour. So I often talk about the ROI and again, what what makes sense for that investment on that human capital and are they making those better decisions that again, save you money, make you money along the way that kind of pays for themselves. Ideally, uh, a high performer will pencil themselves versus just looking at it at that expense. So we could be saving in the short term or what we think we're saving, but it's really costing us more. Absolutely. Especially in a time when things like equipment and inputs are at a, a real premium, being mm -hmm. able to optimize with an employee. I'm curious on the other side, if folks are thinking more about getting serious about training and potentially uh, making that a bigger part of their business. What kind of advice do you give to folks who maybe haven't done a lot of training in the past, but are interested in maybe using that as a strategy? Mm -hmm. So technology has become our best friend with training. So I think it's such a big hurdle to start training. And I get that because I've implemented them from scratch and they're, they're an investment of time. So the easiest way for a farm to do it is really just start honestly, with a Word doc and start with one role and you're about to hire for that role and think about all the things you have to go over. Just jot them down. I'm not even kidding, just bullet points on a list of all the things you need to cover with this individual. And then once you start training that new hire, have it close by and keep adding to it, right? And then you might get more creative saying, 
okay, I'm gonna start taking videos of how to do something and they should watch this video. So while you're training your next hire, it's almost easiest to do it while you're training somebody. You can definitely start jotting down, but it's not until you actually train someone and they have a ton of questions, you realize how much you do need to go over. So using things like your YouTube videos or just your phone videos, taking you know pictures of how to do something or send them to one of the dealership trainings for their precision ag. We have a tool called Screencastify that I'll actually videotape myself online doing something on the computer. So you can do that. So there's all sorts of easy ways to capture it. It doesn't have to be super professional, but they're going to see such a difference that, okay, oh, I'm just going to pull up this and I'll know what to go over. I'm going to keep adding to it and keep adding to it until it becomes really kind of part of the business. So it can start small and keep building and it takes year over year of kind of refining it. But that's really just a good place to start without feeling intimidated by the the big project at hand. Lori, we'll be right back to you right after this quick word from our sponsor. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Marketplace. Marketing is a year-round business, but it's not your only job. As you focus on field work, monitor your opportunities and easily make an offer with help from the free DTN Ag Marketplace app. DTN Ag Marketplace facilitates end-to-end grain sales on your schedule. From your mobile device, you can easily connect to local agribusiness to view current cash bids and futures to sell your grain. Need more accountability in your marketing program? The app lets you set goals and monitor progress and enter and track inventory. Start to confidently market your crops with DTN Ag Marketplace. Download it today for free in the Apple Store. Now, back to the show. And we're back with DTN Farm Business Advisor and Ag Hires founder, Lori Culler. Lori, I'm curious as well in this incredibly challenging time. I think recruitment has been a challenge for years in kind of the the ag labor world. Seems extra difficult today. Any tips, tricks on best places to go in this specific moment to even just meet the people who might be good either as trained or that you might be able to offer some enhanced benefits to? Sure. Yep. So there's a couple tips and tricks. Of course, we're going to encourage you to go to Ag Hires, right? Because we're the large job board in Ag. But at the same time, even our own, we've added multiple services over the last couple of years because even a posting by itself sometimes is not always going to get it there. You need to add that social media. We actually have programs where we pay for paid social media to reach the targeted audience that we want. Because the posting by itself, sometimes it needs more. We have a lot of programs where we're reaching out to passive candidates because that's the name of the game. It takes our recruiters about two to three times the amount of reach outs that it used to get the same hire. So we are are up against what they're up against in terms of talent. Something else farms can really do, there's a few tricks, is one, making sure you do have a good website and a compelling website. It doesn't have to be grandiose, a couple pages, and they're very cheap these days to build, and there's all sorts of great software systems and freelancers that can help you build a website. But if you don't have a website and some basic social media pages, I would encourage that as a step one. Have someone in the family, have a niece or nephew, someone will help you build that or, or pay for it to get built. When candidates, when you post a job, if candidates can't find you, or even look behind the curtain a little bit to learn a little more, they're probably not going to apply. 
So everything's at their fingertips. So if they can't get to know you just a little bit, they're probably not going to say hello back to your advertisement. So it's a well-invested time. And then thinking about having events on your farm or continuously recruiting at all times, whether you're at the diner or wherever, be on the lookout for someone that might be a potential you know, future hire. And then one way we work with our clients when they do advertise is really having enough detail in that job posting. Historically, it was like, I need a farm hand, I need an operator slash mechanic or your basic all-around farm help, but the candidates don't know what to do with that. So adding things like, hey, this is who we are as a farm, this is this is the family atmosphere we have, the stability that we have in agriculture. That's a big brag point for agriculture. We do have stability. And candidates, even outside of ag, know that. So that's attractive to them. And then adding in, hey, we're open to people from military or construction, other industries that might have that same mechanical ability to operate heavy equipment, ability to want to be outside and see the fruits of their labor. There's a lot of tips and tricks that I don't think are costly, but will significantly increase the amount of candidates. That is a great segue into, I think, a big part of this challenge um, is just defining the role uh, that of what exactly you need. I think I, I hear that kind of, oh, I just need some help. I just need someone who can do it all and, and be really forward thinking and stay on top of it and anticipate my needs. Really hard to recruit for someone who you just expect to do it all. So talk to us a little bit about how to think about who you might actually need. So it's interesting. I tend to ask farms to just start with a blank piece of paper on their, their farm as if they were buying their farm or buying a similar farm. Okay, who are the players that you need and what would they be doing and what do they need to bring to the table? Historically, we've heard, hey, they have to have farming background. And if you really push a little bit, okay, they really have to be mechanically inclined. They have to want to do the hours and they have to be able to think 10 steps ahead. I hear that a lot. I'd be a problem solver. You know, if you map all that out, that really doesn't scream, I, you have to have farming. So, Thinking about, especially with the shortage, going outside the box. Again, construction, military is good. We often tend to just dismiss industrial. There's no way someone from the industrial sector would come over. But we're often seeing right now, again, individuals are reevaluating their careers and they're tired of being in a box, basically, is what I hear sometimes from those candidates. They're tired of being behind the same four walls and, and doing those tasks, and they'd much rather be outside. And much rather see, again, that the end result that farms can offer from beginning to end. You could just see what you put in, what the results were. So I, I also want to dismiss some of those candidates that might want to come over that, that have that ability. So really starting from scratch and mapping out, okay, what do you exactly need? What's a have to have and what's just a nice to have? And then where could those potential candidates come from? I'm curious too, in this moment, how you are thinking and advising farmers to think about the difference between current employees and what they maybe need to do to keep folks versus new hires. And maybe not only the difference between compensation and how to maintain those, but also distributions of tasks and maybe how to train existing employees up on more skills. What is the breakdown there? Yeah, that's a good, that's a, a great and loaded question all at the same time. The compensation one comes up a lot. So we'll start with that. And it, that is a challenge because the comp has moved up and you're looking at your current team and maybe their comp isn't to the market. Now, this is not going to be, I'm not going to be the greatest answer for people, but I do think you need to bring your current team up, especially again for your high performers, because 
culture can take you. If you have a great culture, uh, a great working culture, that that can carry you a little bit, but it can't carry you if, you, if you're like 20 to 30% under market. It carries you a little bit. So you can be maybe mid-market or just a hair under the, the compensation market, but you can't be really low payer and assume culture is going to dominate all. You do need to move up your current staff. And this is a good time to do it while you're attracting new staff, because at the end of the day, it's going to be a little off kilter. Now I get that comes with a, a decent cost to the, the farm. And so you can even stair step it. Something like do an increase now and increase in six months and walk your employees through that you're going to be doing that. I think a lot of employees would, it would be understanding of that. So I, I do think there needs to be some adjustments and we can't quite get around you know, the fact of, of adjustments. Now, while you're looking to hire, if you take that blank piece of paper approach, I think you're going to notice you've got individuals in roles that for a fact they probably shouldn't be, or they're they're not as talented in that role, and they really are better at this role. So anytime you hire is a good time to think about even shifting tasks, again, training. It doesn't always have to be internal training as well. What we're hearing from most employees is that they want continuous learning to be part of the program. And I don't often talk about generations, but the last two generations coming in, they prefer to be trained. And one of the number one questions besides what is the culture is what kind of training is there? So that question, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, no one asked me about training. Just get me in and I'll figure it out. Fast forward where we're at today, they ask about the culture. What's it like to work there? Number two question, what's the training like? We do have to get better at training and your current employees want to grow in their career. That could be outside growth, that outside training um, and education. That could be internal training, education, sitting down with each of your current employees. What do they love to do? What do they want to do? We can't always just craft a role that's exactly what they love. But if there's an area where they are passionate about and they want to assist in, okay, that would be beneficial for the farm to do that. You have now offered basically a retention program of your own because you now have an employee that's very satisfied in their role. We often ask about that here and it might be only 5% of their job, but they're very excited to add that to their role. It doesn't have to be a, a whole role change, but just asking what they want to do, where they want to grow and offering those avenues. Again, the ROI should be there for the farm. And then the retention built in is great for them as well. I think we also have to ask because I think some folks in some areas have raised compensation, have done offered to do training and just are still having a hard time finding the folks they need. Talk a little bit about alternatives. I'm thinking maybe like H2A or doing more contract work, working with companies instead of hiring employees directly. How are you thinking about those alternatives? Mm-hmm. Yep. I, yeah, I'm still a big proponent of the H2A program. My brother uses it on his farm. Most of our clients in terms of, especially the fruit and vegetable side, you know, utilize H2A. I think it's a great program and it's something you should put some pencil to paper to see if that fits for your farm because the housing needs to be offered and the compliance piece. You know, if you're hiring just one or two, does it pencil? You have to do some math, but I, I don't know. But if you're hiring, you know, more than that, then probably should be doing some penciling to see if that's an option for you. It came into some consideration last year with COVID, you know, are we going to be able to get the H2As here, the labor that we need? And with some extra quarantining, it ended up working out okay. With the recent breakout, same thing, question came up, especially for South Africa. Are they going to be able to come over? 
um, in our in a timely manner. So far, so good. We we don't offer we don't provide the H two A service as part of ag hires, but again, a proponent of it and something for farms to look at. I used to say retirees were such a great pool seasonally. And that pool seems to be dwindling. That was my go-to other pool alternatives besides H2A was find those seasonal retirees that would love to just kick it in gear for a couple months during peak season. Maybe they go to Florida you know, or, or to the south during the winter, and that's okay for you. That seemed to be work. That pool does seem to dwindle. And to find those individuals, you are not going to find them on any job board. So they're, they're not out there that way. That is definitely still a kind of boots on the ground, talking to people, asking around and doing it that way. So that's kind of the old school recruiting actually is still effective for retirees seasonally, but that pool is dwindling. It's still there. And I, I would still encourage you to look for those opportunities, but that has to be handled much differently. You're not going to get that through any type of advertising. Final question. I'm curious, you talked a little bit at the beginning that this is likely a problem that we're going to see lasting at least another year or two. Mm-hmm. I think I'm curious what kind of advice you're, you're giving to farmers right now in terms of how should they be thinking or rethinking about their whole employment strategy, given that things seem to be changing pretty significantly, not just because of the current you know, challenges in the economy, but also because there's a new generation of folks entering the workforce and, uh, and things are always changing. So curious what, what you're talking yep. about. Yeah, so even if the shortage is not as short. Now, what's interesting is I've been talking about the shortage. I actually looked, I think, in 2016 or 17, I think one of my topics at the DTN Summit was on the shortage. And so that's funny because now it's, you know, so grossly accelerated that that seems minor compared to today. So let's say even if it comes back, the levels come back. Um, You're right. The generations are changing and what employees are wanting are changing. This whole great resignation, people rethinking, even if they haven't switched jobs, they're still rethinking about where they're spending their time. The dirty word, again, work-life balance, right, with farms. But we're seeing farms do it and and do it well. And so I, I really do think farms need to take this opportunity to say, okay, what does this employer employee relationship look like? What type of atmosphere do we want to have? How can we still get the crops in and out with high yield, but also ensuring that we're not, you know, burning out the employees so that they do stay long term? I think you're seeing, we're hearing it from candidates, which is really disheartening, but we're hearing from a lot of younger, new to their career candidates, maybe post-college, a couple years out of college, that would love, they love to be on the farm, but they don't believe that they can do that and have the family style and lifestyle that they want. And so we're seeing a lot of people not come back. But we're also seeing some farms get really creative on how to really provide that atmosphere. So, yep, it is go time when it's go time, but you get extra time later on, or we really keep it down to that 40 to 45 off season. Farms tend to keep those hours high, even sometimes during the off season. And so we've got a farm that's doing paternity leave. So we're seeing farms say, hey, it's no longer, hey, you can have a week of vacation after a year of being here. You really need to offer two weeks right off the bat. Everyone's now offering three. That seems to be the going rate. Um, in farms, I think two is still okay. But the kind of wait to get your benefits later, I, I think farms need to rethink about what their package is and what is their value proposition to the employees and where they're going to come to the table with. I think that needs to change. One thing that we didn't talk about, but I do want to mention is the changing landscape of paid time and a half. So we've got seven states that are at least have some type of movement 
um, and laws in place where farms will be subject to time and a half pay. And so uh, as more states do that, that's going to cost the farm. So we're already probably going to have to someday face time and a half for employees on farms. So we we might want to start rethinking now, okay, how can we get this done with alternative workforce or more than one shift to get that closer to that 40 to 45? Again, I might get some tomatoes, Sarah, thrown at me for this comment, but I'm just noticing the trend. Seven states have laws in place for time and a half for farms, and most of them are a stair-stepped approach over the next several years. But you're going to see other farms or other states join in on that. And I think farms need to be prepared for that. So what is your value proposition? What are we offering? How can we change those? Think about adding those benefits we talked about at the summit. You know, 401k used to be very expensive. It's not very expensive to implement anymore. And having that avenue, same thing with health insurance. I know it can be a big dollar to bite off for health insurance. Employees Employers are not paying 100% health insurance. It's usually 60 to 70%. So think about whatever that cost is. Your cost is about 60 to 70. Having something, even a 60% split, 60% the employer, 40% the employee is better than not having it. And that might add a dollar or two per hour. But having that benefit's pretty essential as we keep moving forward. So yeah, rethinking the value proposition, what we're offering as a package, having it on the radar at some point, that time and a half might hit in your state. And how would you handle that? Yeah. And even thinking about, just as a final follow-up, thinking about if you are near a state that is doing time and a half, you know, how your employees might be tempted to go somewhere where they have a little bit more protection, how you can be competitive, even if your state doesn't adopt those kind of protections. Mm -hmm. I'd agree. We're seeing some farms pay like time and a half or double time even for holidays. I don't think we've ever seen that before, but we've got several clients now. Again, it's just they're they're like baby stepping way to start to stay competitive with, with some of that that's going to come down the pike. And it also says something to your employees, hey, I get we're working again on Labor Day, but here's a time and a half for that day. So again, what is a really kind of total percentage of cost to pay time or double time or time and a half on your holidays that they're working? Not that much, but does it say a lot about that to your employees? It does. So what are some of those even like low-hanging fruit, not as costly ways to say, we care, we get it, and we're going to work together throughout the season. So I, I think just a mindset shift in terms of what that looks like. To keep up with the latest on ag labor and stay up to date on all of Lori's work, visit DTNPF.com or subscribe to the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Lori Kohler. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.